when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Quality Feeds. Trusted by generations of farmers. Dairy Gold Quality Feeds. Putting your animal nutrition needs first. Welcome to our program. I'm John O'Connor. Farmers angry as EU trimming rules are being violated at some factories and 21 fines have been passed on factories so far this year. We have a Brexit update, but our top story, Gronia Hurley, B&T Dairy Advisor, Chagas Agricultural College, Clonakilty. Gronia, welcome to the programme. Some very important upcoming events you want to remind our listeners about. Hi, John. Uh, the first one I'd like to notify listeners is uh, there's a community information meeting um, regarding the River Caha area for action, which is taking place in the Parkway Hotel in Demenway uh, next Wednesday, the 6th of December, um, between half seven and nine o'clock. The meeting itself would include an overview of why the Caha River catchment was selected as a priority area for action in terms of water quality. There will be a number of representatives from the local authority waters program there, um, Tagus and other people in attendance. This meeting is for all those interested in the local water bodies, including local residents from Trout Catchment, community representatives, farmers, local landowners, Thai Towns Group, anglers, forest owners, recreation users. Um, everyone's welcome to the meeting. Uh, there will be questions and answer sessions and an, an opportunity at the end for uh, informal discussion during a tea and coffee after meeting. So all is welcome to attend and encouraged to attend. If you would like any more information on this meeting, you can contact Kieran Murphy on 085-808-3059 or you can contact Maeve Ryan on 085-802-5273. I'd also like to notify your listeners about uh, uh, a glass course. There will be a glass course running in Moore Park next Tuesday, the 4th of December. If you need to complete a glass course uh, for your glass plan, please contact the office there as soon as you can. You can ring the number 021-4631-898 to book in for that glass course in Moore Park, which is on uh, Tuesday, the 4th of December. Um, also, another um, inform- meeting coming up is uh, a contract rearing uh, a contract heifer rearing information meeting, which will be held in Corin Mart in Fumoy on Thursday, the 13th of December at 7 p.m. Um, this meeting is to target dairy farmers interested in contract rearing, but also for farmers themselves who are looking to take on heifers. 
On the night itself, the speakers will include uh, Tagus Drysock advisor, Michael Burke. Um, he will discuss about the whole contract heifer rearing, but also he's looking to form a, a local contract rearing discussion group. Donald Riley is a dairy farmer, so he's going to discuss his experience of it. And uh, Donald Howard is a contract rearer. Again, they'll discuss how, how it's working for them. And Owen Ryan, who's a superintending veterinary inspector as well, will talk on the night as well. This is a KT-approved event for dairy, beef and, and sheep farmers. And TAGS will also run a similar event um, in West Cork in the 15th of January, so there will be more information of that when that comes up. Um, lastly as well, I'd like to uh, notify your listeners um, in Tagus Mellow are holding their annual Tagus Seminar on Friday the 14th of December at the Mellow GAA Complex at 11am. And speakers include uh, Pat Dillon from Tagus Park, Tommy Heffernan, uh, or Tommy DeVet as a lot of people know him, um, from the Farmers Journal, and Sergeant John Kelly from the Garda Crime Prevention Office. So again, everyone's welcome to that meeting sets on Friday the 14th of the December at 11am. Thank you, Ms. Grony Hurley, B&T Dairy Advisor, Chagask Advisory Services, Agricultural College, Dorara Agricultural College, Clonakilty, County Cork in the west of the county. Thank you, Grony. The full interview with Grony covering winter feed and cash flow in the midweek edition of the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme on this coming Wednesday evening between 10pm and 11pm. Mr. Philip Cotter, PRO for the Cork East Ploughing Association, joins us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme. Great news from Gortrude, a good day's ploughing. That's right, John, thanks very much. Uh, our final match was held in Gortrude last Sunday, and uh, we had a fine turnout and a nice day. We got a bit of a shower, which was only a squib, really, so we have been exceptionally lucky. Over the eight matches, we had only one kind of a showery day, which was phenomenal. And these are the results from Gertrude. Senior Open, first Michael Linehan, second Dave Mulcahy, and third Michael Hannon. Under 28, uh, first Jamie Hayes. Three for a match blow, first James Pendergast, and second Jimmy Barris. Three for a standard, first Killian Tate, and second James Foley. The farmer is uh, Mary O'Callaghan. Makra, first Stephen O'Connell, second Shane Bazang. And third, Kevin McGrath. Novice, two for her. First, uh, Billy Foley. And uh, second, Seamus Hennessy. The reversible, three for her. First, Niall Connery. The reversible, two for her. First, Paddy Harrington. Second, Jimmy Cotter. And third, Connor Butler. Two for a vintage hydraulic. First, Mass Fleming. Second, Phelan Cotter. And third, Dennis Cummins. And the single for a vintage, first Trevor Fleming, second Damien Hearn, and the vintage two for a trail, first Anus Horn, second David Grattan, and third Ray Hallahan. Those are the results from our final match in Gautreau, John, on last Sunday. And as I say, over the eight performances, we've only won Shawry here. And uh, so we've done very well with good turnovers and nice conditions in all the matches you know so it was a very successful qualifying season so from the those eight matches now the qualifiers for the 2019 national finals will be picked over the next few weeks so we'll we'll be back to you in john with the final all-ireland team competitors in due course thanks very much john 
That's Grant, and thank you very much indeed, Mr. Philip Cotter, Piero for the Cork East Ploughing Association. INHFA have called for a fairer cap deal to benefit all Irish farmers. With ongoing discussions in Brussels and across the European Union member states on the future direction of cap, INHFA President Mr. Colm O'Donnell has outlined the need for a more inclusive cap which could deliver for all farmers. Currently, Mr. O'Donnell pointed out that for many farmers, the only income certainty came through their cap payments, which was why we needed to ensure fairer payments for farmers in vulnerable areas and sectors. This, he added, would be critical for all farmers, as the potential of an accelerated exodus from the land, which would reduce political influence of farmers, would ultimately undermine the incomes of even better-off farmers who would be presently insulated. With the main media focus of the current cap negotiations revolving around the budget and a possible capping on individual farmer payments, Mr O'Donnell warned that the possibility that more fundamental issues around redistribution, the makeup of the new eco-scheme in Pillar 1, which is to focus on climate change and the environment, and increased conditionality for the new basic income support scheme, could be sidelined. Clearly, he warned, this is something which the INHFA are determined would not happen, and that was why INHFA would continue to work both at home and in Brussels to ensure fairer outcomes for the vast majority of the nation's 130,000 farmers. ICSA, Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association National Chairman Mr John Brooks has uh, welcomed the advance payment of €15.1 million made to 18,600 sheep farmers under year two of the sheep welfare scheme. Commenting, uh, John Brooks said the advance payment rate has been set at 85% again this year, which is good news. However, he said, given the current underspend in the Rural Development Programme, the ICSA believes the time is now right to explore enhancing the sheep welfare scheme. Referring to the more than €300 million Euro in unspent funds under the TAMS 2 scheme, Mr Brooks said the ICSA would like to see the sheep sector get a fair share of that underspend. And while the scheme is delivering in its current format, there is scope to increase payment levels. This, Mr Brooks said, would see sheep farmers rewarded for undertaking additional tasks. John Brooks argues the precedent has been set for this under the Beef Data and Genomics Programme, BDGP, with the addition of the Beef Environmental Efficiency Pilot Scheme, the BEEP scheme. He said a similar bolt-on action or menu of actions under the Sheep Welfare Scheme would work just as well and deliver more benefits to the sheep sector as a whole. That statement from the ICSA National Sheep Committee Chairman, Mr John Brooks. The IFA Environment Chairman, Mr Thomas Cooney, has acknowledged the important role that farming plays in protecting and enhancing Ireland's environment. Responding to the recent water quality report, he said he supports previous comments made by EPA, which recognises that the failure to treat wastewater properly continues to damage our rivers and coastal waters. Thomas Mooney said that raw sewage from the equivalent of 88,000 people in 38 towns and villages were still flowing into our rivers and streams across the country. Thomas Cooney contended that unlike diffuse pollution, which is sometimes attributed to agriculture, this point source pollution from ineffective wastewater treatment plants is known. 
It's identifiable and can be resolved. Addressing this would greatly assist our compliance with water regulations and improve water quality. That statement from the IFA Environment Chairman, Mr Thomas Cooney, in response to the Water Quality Report published on Friday, November 30th, 2018. Mr Phelim O'Neill, EU and International Markets Specialist with the Irish Farmers Journal, joins us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme. First of all, Phelim, welcome to the programme. Now, I understand that you and your colleagues at the Irish Farmers Journal have been taking part in a major investigation looking into allegations that the factories here might be contravening EU trimming rules. And, of course, the IFA have reacted savagely to reports that 21 fines have been levied on Irish factories for contravening EU rules. Yeah, I suppose, well, that, uh, John's the reaction of the IFA president to it. Um, I suppose what, what we have done, and again in the Farmers' Journal here, myself and my colleagues will regularly get complaints from farmers about different things relating to the selling of cattle to the meat factories. Uh, one of the most common complaints we get is the feeling that they didn't get uh, their cattle, that they didn't get enough weight on them, they didn't get the grade, that they were happy enough. And uh, look, I suppose, uh, you know, we listen to them all. We try and investigate where we can. But uh, in the context, I suppose, of responding to queries by farmers on the issue of factory trim, we made an inquiry to the Department of Agriculture and we discovered uh, that this year so far there have been 21 cases uh, where factories have been penalised where they've had to pay a €200 Euro, uh, penalty uh, because the carcasses that uh, inspectors uh, seen on a spot check uh, weren't properly trimmed. Now, I suppose we'll have to keep this in context. Uh, the reality is Ireland uh, Irish meat factories uh, process about 1.8 million cattle in the year. Uh, the Department of Agriculture sent in their expert inspectors to check the grading of the carcasses uh, that it's been done properly and that they're being dressed properly by the meat plant. Um, there was, uh, I think, uh, in 2017, we don't have precise figures for 2018 yet. Uh, because obviously, the year's not ended, but in the last full year figure, 2017, uh, there was over 600 inspection visits carried out and over uh, 59,000 uh, cattle were inspected in that. So you could even apply, I suppose, a percentage to the 59,000 cattle uh, of those 21 uh, commanded a fine. Uh, but I suppose it t- what's worrying, I think, from a farmer perspective is that in this uh, even small number of cases, the farmers that uh, were affected uh, won't know that it was them. And farmers also don't know fact- which factories uh, that are involved in this. Is it one factory? Is it more than one factory? Is it 21 different factories? Uh, I suppose those are the questions that we still can't answer. Uh, we looked for a reaction uh, from IFA to it, and when they discovered this, the, they went ballistic on it, and, and hence that's why you've picked up our front page heading there where the president of IFA, Joe Healy, uh, has called for very, very tough sanctions indeed. Um, so I suppose, the and, and again, we, we went on, and, and our editor here, Justin McCarthy, who would be very familiar with the red meat industry, uh, would be very much of a view that we're now in an age where surely we can bring technology in here as a solution to this. Uh, you know, we have the HD cameras with the ultra HD cameras. Surely we should be in a position where we can see every animal, every carcass, see the finished state of it. Uh, to see that it is dressed properly. But uh, I suppose it was uh, myself and my colleague, uh, Paul Minnie, would have spent some time on that over this last uh, couple of weeks. Uh, we did get the information at the department eventually. It took a little while. Um, but I, I think, as I say, it's something that would, would be of concern to farmers. 
But of course, Phelan, in fairness to the factories, until the names and locations of the factories can be identified and published and uh, farmers uh, informed, there is a shadow over everyone. It's the old classic situation. Until you know who the offender is or who the offenders were, well, then it's a shadow over everyone. And uh, farmers, you know, there's enough reason to be worried about getting a just price for their beef. But to find that they can't get the names of the offenders, that must be very, very annoying. I suppose it does cause a certain frustration. And, and again, this is why, and I suppose looking at this, uh, you know, objectively or as objectively as we can be, uh, the reality is that this is quite a small sample, even within the number of cattle totally that have been sampled. Uh, and, you know, I think in terms of an industry, any industry, uh, nothing beats complete and total transparency in it. Uh, perhaps there's an explanation, perhaps a hide puller wasn't working well somewhere, you know, it, there, there could well be an innocent explanation. But, of course, as you highlight yourself, in the absence of that explanation and understanding and transparency, I suppose people are left to fear the worst and, and farmers are left to think, well, gosh, was that my animal, which I thought uh, didn't, uh, either didn't get a particularly good weight on it, that it hadn't performed or thrived as well as I thought it would. A uh, small number of cattle, but I say that the principle at stake here, I suppose, is, uh, is something that we would be on about. We would be always encouraged in the meat processing industry to be much more transparent in, in every aspect of his business. Uh, and I think the transparency, with transparency comes a level of confidence. Uh, we've seen it in politicians' expenses. We've seen so many other uh, walks of life that once you introduce transparency to an issue, then all of a sudden it ceases to be an issue and uh, people just get on with it. And, uh, for example, just staying on the subject of political expenses, I don't know now who bothers to check uh, what levels they're, they're at because they say everything is published on a website, everything is there for anyone to see. So uh, I suppose in terms of what, what we would be wanting to happen out of this and, and where we would think it would go from here, you know, the, the reality is the industry, it didn't have any... Uh, uh, penalties issued in 2017 or 2016. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's a that there's a major outbreak of of non-compliances or bad carcass dressing. There has been 21 examples found. Uh, I'm sure there has been other instances where inspectors have it issued to have a have a word with, if you like, but it hasn't been serious enough to generate a fine. So I think in that situation, you know. It would actually serve the industry well to even on a voluntary basis say, well, look, hands up here. That was us. It happened on the 24th of March. There were X number of carcasses. There was a problem. This is the reason. And I think that would probably close the issue off uh, rather than leave it hanging there. And, Phelan, this could be solved if department officers were appointed to the factories. And as you've said earlier, and as is pointed out in the editorial page of the journal, to quote them, there is no reason an image of every beef and sheep carcass could not be taken to ensure grading and trim regulations that they're being adhered to. These could be monitored and reviewed retrospectively to provide a much more robust oversight uh, process. So in that respect, there could be a solution to it once we've identified the problems. But there are farmers who now would reason, logically, that they are owed money if they were excessively trimmed, if their animals were excessively trimmed. So there could be 
a solution once it's highlighted? I, I, I think there is. You know, uh, you know. It was. I think it was just earlier this week in the news. I watched that uh, the second. Uh, camera and, and probe had been landed on Mars and it was sending back stunning images to Earth. Well, surely to God, if we can put a camera on Mars that sends back stunning images to Earth, we can put one in a meat factory that does the same thing uh, as a much shorter distance to travel, certainly anyway. Notwithstanding, I'm sure there's technical challenges to it, like it's uh, a meat factory environment, in fact, an abattoir floor. Uh, there are definitely issues of steam and, and environment, etc. But again, as I say, there's been plenty of issues, I'm sure, with the environment and getting something to Mars to send back stunning images. So, um, you know, that 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 is the that is the reality. I think it's uh, it's doable if we choose to do so. Now, uh, something that is worth noting, John, uh, as we discuss this, the department has announced, uh, and and it's uh, IFA have accepted that. Uh, something that the FAA have been campaigning for a long time is that there would be inspection of every individual carcass, not just random visits as is carried out by the department at the moment. Now, I understand those are being piloted at the moment that um, veterinary officials in factories uh, would uh, take on scrutineer and are being trimmed uh, to scrutineer trimming, or sorry, are being trained to scrutineer trimming. Uh, and I understand that from January that'll be rolled out across all the factories. So I think that's an enhanced measure and something I think that will enhance farmer confidence considerably. The fact that every uh, that that there's someone on the ground all the time, and that uh, if not all carcasses will be seen, certainly most carcasses will be seen. Uh, that is a big step in the right direction. But as I say, uh, as it was suggested in our editorial this week, we think that it can go a stage further again. That there's no reason why in the 21st century uh, that this this far into it that we can't think of a technological solution uh, that would simplify and give the the absolute level of certainty all right. Well, certainly, Phelan, that's uh, very interesting indeed, referring to your article, the article by you and your colleagues in this week's edition, Irish Farmers Journal, the front page article, Phelan, the expert on Brexit and all matters international and EU. Turning to Brexit, just very briefly, I know over the several months, and in fact, over the last couple of years, you've been looking at uh, the various uh, possibilities and permutations. But as we speak now, What's the next stage with this Brexit, if you just had to summarise what we're now waiting for? Uh, I'll just maybe pick you up on what you said at the start there, John. I don't know if anyone's an expert on Brexit at this stage. I think everyone's confused by Brexit at this stage. Uh, no, I suppose the point that we're at, a deal has been signed by Theresa May and the rest of the European Union, the European Union administration. She now has to get that approved by the UK Parliament, just the same as here. If the Taoiseach went and signed a deal somewhere, it would have to be approved by the Doyle. Um, now, the evidence or the, the what it looks like at this stage, she seems to be as if she's maybe anything up to 100 MPs in Parliament short of getting a majority. There's quite a, a revolt within her own party. She had a coalition uh, with the Northern Ireland MPs from the Democratic Unionist Party because she was in a minority government situation. They have already rejected it. So uh, as things stand today, and her vote in Parliament is on the 11th, but as things stand at the moment, uh, it looks like there's no way she can win that uh, vote with just over a week to go. Now, uh, if she wins it, uh, and I suppose there's two scenarios going to develop here, if she wins it, then a straightforward through to the Brexit date of 29th of March, and then transition kicks in, and we continue in that until December 2020 or indeed beyond. That's the simple solution and the one that everyone, certainly in Ireland, would want to keep business as usual continuing. Uh, if that seems more likely she loses that vote on the 11th, well, then we go into, I suppose, what's best described as political chaos. 
if it's a relatively narrow defeat, she could try again, bring it back to MPs for a second time. And if she gets that through on a second attempt, well, then we're away and uh, good good to leave, go into transition. If, however, she fails a second time, well, then I think that's probably the end of Theresa May as Prime Minister. Uh, there could be a Conservative Party election. Uh, they could try and have a negotiation with Brussels again, although Brussels says that's absolutely not on. You could go into a general election in the UK or indeed something that's gaining serious popularity is have a second referendum to say, right, let's have a go at this again and re-vote on the basis of what we know now compared to what we knew then. Any one of those scenarios is a possibility, John. Um, and what happens, particularly if she loses the vote, it's very much uh, a guess. It'll be just, it'll be political high wire sort of uh, for, for a period of time going into the early new year. Uh, worst case scenario of all, of course, is that none of those work out, uh, that we have in this termed as a no deal Brexit by default. In other words, the chaos in the UK Parliament, uh, the absence of a government and the absence of a decision by Parliament could lean because, you know, if the withdrawal agreement isn't accepted and signed off, the, the other position is that it is a no deal Brexit. The UK is leaving on the 29th of March one way or the other. So, uh, again, that would be the nightmare situation for Irish farmers. Uh, we will be hoping desperately that we don't get to that point. Well, let's hope for the best. And thank you very much indeed, Mr. Fellam O'Neill, EU market specialist. Thanks for your valuable time. Thank you, John. Buttevant, North Cork-based Mr. John Coughlin, IFA Munster Regional Chairman, has called for the Minister for Agriculture, Mr. Creed, to immediately publish a list of those factories who have been found breaking EU trim rules and have been fined accordingly. Mr Coughlin spoke to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme about the absolute fury of IFA members on discovering that perhaps they have been the victims of excessive trimming of their cattle when presented at factories. Well, I think, John, look, I think a lot of farmers are shocked to hear that to see the release where, where 21 separate cases of uh, factories over-trimming cattle before they come onto the weighing scales. There were 21 cases uncovered this year by the department's of agriculture and I think it is shocking from a farmer's point of view to think that how much more of it is going on if this is the only ones that have been uncovered and I suppose look it comes back to what IFA has been saying for a, for a long time and what we've campaigned very hard on was that we've always said that there isn't enough of supervision in the factories on carcass trim and on grading and we've lobbied the minister very hard to get uh, the Department of Agriculture officials to supervise the trimming and grading system within the factories. We got a pilot scheme opened up on the 1st of November and a commitment that it would be rolled out in every factory uh, from the 1st of January. But what's more worrying is the fact that when there was 21 cases found out this year already, first and foremost, the Minister won't name who those factories are. Secondly, the farmers haven't been told what farmers have lost money because of the trimming of the factories. And totally, I think, look, it's a case of how can we have confidence in the factory uh, trimming and grading system if uh, if this sort of stuff is going on. And, you know, it's, it's just shocking, to be honest, I think farmers are totally at, at sea over this. 
if a farmer or if a vet uh, was found to be in breach of the law or they were fined or they suffered a penalty, that would be published. But as I understand it from what you're saying there, the factories where the 21 fines have been levied for over-trimming, apparently these factories, they, they aren't being named, they can't be named or aren't being named, their location is not known. Farmers using those factories still don't know if these factories have been fined for essentially malpractice. So I would imagine you'll be pressing for the identity of these factories to be known and in fairness to those factories who might not be transgressing rules and regulations in any way, it would remove the cloud that must be over all factories if we don't know which factories or where they are. Absolutely, John. If we haven't a proper transparency and proper insight into what's going on in the factories, sure, we're, we're, we're working in the dark. And I suppose, look, Joe Healy, president of IFA, has called clearly that these factories have to be named. The farmers whose cattle have been found to be over-trimmed have to be compensated and fully compensated. And I think totally the fine that these factories got has been derisory. There's a maximum fine of €5,000, and in these 21 cases, they were only fined €200. I think that is absolutely ridiculous. If they were wrong, they should be fined and fully fined. And, you know, if a farmer creates fraud nowadays, he's liable to be jailed. But factories can create a fraud like this, and they get fined a derisory €200. It's absolutely worthless. So, look, factories have to be named, farmers have to be informed, and the fines have to be increased to the maximum. And until that's going to happen, there is going to be no uh, confidence in the whole grading system and weighing systems at the factories. John, it's a cop-out to say that they can't be named. They can be named, they should be named, and they're going to have to be named. But in fairness to the factories, it has to be said, if the factories transgressing the rules and regulations, effectively cheating the farmers, it would appear they've been fined for something, they've been fined for not obeying the rules and regulations and for malpractice. But in fairness to the factories who are obeying the rules and regulations very stringently, it's very unfair on those factories. They're all under a cloud until we find which factories and where they're located are the ones giving a bad name to all factories. Absolutely, John. I mean, there are factories out there that are doing it right, and rightly so. They would be feel completely aggrieved uh, when there are other factories out there not doing it. And that has been the case uh, in everything down the years. Look, we need the transparency to know who's doing it right and who's not. And I mean, as farmers, we have to do it right. We are quality assured. If we do anything wrong, whether it is with antibiotics or whether it is with, uh, with pollution or anything, we are shamed and we are named. And we're taken through the courts, and here are the factories, and there isn't a word about it. So I think, look, the, the department have got to come out straight away now and hit this on the head and name the factories that are wrong and allow the factories that are doing it right to continue doing their work properly. What can the farmer, bringing cattle along in good faith, what could he do to ensure that he doesn't lose out due to sharp practice or illegal practice? So what can a farmer do if he doesn't know is his factory the factory he uses or range of factories he uses? If, if they're not named, what can you do? All of this is coming against a tremendous cut in the money people get for their beef. And even in the good times, we found there could be up to €300 Euro of a difference in the single market between the money you got for your cow here or your animal here and in the UK. So what can you do to try and make sure you're not being tricked? Well, John, this is the problem. Farmers can, can do very little for the simple reason that it, the factories have complete control of the market. 
from the minute the animal goes in there. And we've seen in the last number of years where farmers are not allowed into the factory floor to see where cattle are being trimmed and weighed. And that is a, that was a huge step backwards from a farmer's point of view. Secondly, as well, we see where farmers are busy individuals, there's a, they all have a full full day's work to do. They can't afford to spend three or four hours waiting around the factory from the time their cattle go in until the time they're killed. But I think what farmers should do is they should try and follow up every day if they kill cattle, that that day you ring to see what uh, what weights your cattle have and what grades your cattle have to make sure they find out what they are. And I think farmers should look to go in and see where they're being weighed. But as you, you've come back to, to highlight something, John, and that is the whole price uh, and the pricing structure that is there at the moment. And I mean, look, we see where farming comes in the livestock sector are decimated. And certainly this time of the year, we are now in the peak killing weeks for the Christmas trade. And the Christmas trade was all, is always one of the better periods in the in the calendar for uh, for beef finishers. And we see this year where the price of beef is, uh, is way below where it should be. We're talking about prices of 375 or 380 a kilo for steers at the moment, which is probably 20 or 30 cent a kilo to where it should be, considering that it is the Christmas market that we're killing for. And I think, look, this is where we see the control that the factories have. They have it on the price. They have it on everything they do with the animal from the time they go to the layerage in the factory. And I think, look, that's where the department have to come in and open that up so that we as farmers know exactly what's happening. And I suppose, secondly, John, is there is no transparency whatsoever in the price of our beef going from the factory to the supermarket. And there's a huge problem there because what we've seen and what we know is that the farmer gets 20% of the final price, the processor gets nearly 20% of the final price, and the retailer gets 50%. And, John, we need to see transparency, and this is another an issue for for the Commission, European Commission, and for the Department of Agriculture to ensure that there's transparency to show where the price is going and why the farmer or the primary producer is not getting the proper share of that final market price. Will there be any point in farmers trying to arrange to weigh their cattle before they go in? You know, sometimes you hear farmers being asked to weigh their cattle to check some aspects of development, but weighing of cattle, would that in some way at least give a fellow a little bit of control? It, 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 it would certainly be helpful. Look, every farmer should know what he has going into the factory. But I suppose, look, John, there is, uh, with, with different animals, there's a different kilo percentage there. And, you know, if the factory only claim two or three kilos per animal in the round of the day, like at, uh, at four or 500 carcasses going through the slaughterhouse, if they if they claimed two kilos extra per animal, so like, I mean, that's, uh, that's over a ton of beef in the day. That's what the hell of a lot of money to every factory, 300 days of the year. I think the, prob- the problem is the transparency within the factory. I think until such time as we know, farmers can have confidence in what's going on inside there, we, it'll be very hard to fully know what, what you have. And I think this is where the department has to step up. And I mean, it's time for the department to wake up and realise, are they working for farmers or are they working for factories? Minister Creed said he'll train up 150 additional staff to supervise grading at the beef plants. For the last 12 months, IFA had fought very hard with the minister to get this supervision put in place in the factories. And look, he did give the commitment that he would do a pilot, uh, start the pilot project the 1st of November. That has started. I don't know how many factories they are in. And he has also committed to have 150 staff going in January. But along with that, and along with putting those staff in there, they have to be 
properly trained, number one, and they have to be accountable then as well. And I mean, there's no point in having these staff inside there if this continues. I think the staff have to be accountable and they have to bring factories to task and they have to find them fully to make sure that it's not going to happen. Essentially, therefore, the IFA is calling on the Minister, our Minister Michael Creed, to publish the list of factories who are found to be breaking the trim rules. Will that sum up the main central core of your demand? The factories that have been penalised for over-trimming cattle have to be named straight away from farmers' point of view. And I mean, look, farmers are entitled to that at the very least. If we're selling our product in good faith, we have to know whether we're selling them into places that are prepared to do it right, or are we selling them into places where there's shady practices going on. There is enough uh, on the mind of beef producers in the far, far distance, or maybe not so far away. The Mercouser deal, the SOS campaign ended, but still the suckler cow situation is there, and you're looking for €200 Euro per animal. So Mercouser, the suckler situation the general demand for a better deal and again the Brexit thing so at the very least the Minister can do is show a bit of respect and name these people in the same way that farmers or vets would be named for all to read. Oh John, farmers, beef farmers are fighting for survival at the moment and I think we're, and we are at a crossroads because of the fact that there isn't an income to be made out of beef farming and the reason there isn't an income to be made is because there are other people creaming it off and from that point of view, look, the minister has to be prepared to stand up and defend beef farmers. That's his job. That's what he's put there, to defend a beef industry. And if there are factories out there that are over-trimming cattle, they have to be named so that farmers can know where to sell their cattle in the future. Now, turning to something quite different, but of course uh, related in some ways, turning to the new ANC maps, the areas of natural constraints maps and an appeal system. John, I understand uh, from one press release you made very soon after the announcement of the maps of good news for Cork in terms of inclusion of new townlands. Yeah, 312 uh, new townlands have been included for ANCs. Uh, unfortunately, 26 townlands lost out in the in the new maps. And I suppose, look, to put it in perspective, I suppose, look, these maps, uh, this review of the ANC areas was um, was initiated by the Commission. It, it was supposed to take place a couple of years back. It was it was put on the long finger on a few occasions, but it, it had to happen this year, apparently. And what there has been new criteria were put in place to to determine what areas should be included. And in that new criteria, as I say, 312 new townlands were included. And I think the majority of those would have been in North Cork area. Um, as I said, unfortunately, those 20, 26 have been excluded. And look, I, in this whole review, IFA lobbied and uh, got a commitment from the minister that there would be a proper appeals process put in place and that that appeals process would have an independent chairman. And that is supposed to be ready to look at appeals now and I would urge that any farmer who has lost out in the review or any farmer who still feels that they should be included and haven't been included that they should make an application to the appeals unit and I think in doing that we've also asked the minister to allow um, an advisor to be represented with any farmer who wants to make an appeal and I think it's very important that farmers who feel they're not in doubt to get their uh, advisors to check out the area, um, look at the criteria and 
get an appeals process in place. Turning to Brexit, of course, the next big date is December 11th. Now, the farmers are happy enough with the deal thrashed out by the EU27 in Brussels recently. But, of course, getting that over the line, the whole problem seems to be getting votes in the UK House of Commons. But I would imagine that the IFA will be saying, we must get a withdrawal agreement. We have to get, we want to see this agreement passed through the, the House of Commons for the simple reason that if this agreement isn't passed, we're looking down the, the battle as a no deal Brexit and a no deal Brexit would decimate agriculture, both in Ireland and in the UK and in other parts of Europe. We cannot afford that as Irish farmers. And I suppose, look, the, the only alternative that we can see to this present uh, withdrawal agreement is that there would be no Brexit at all. And no Brexit at all is looking highly unlikely. Uh, but if we don't, if this agreement isn't passed in, uh, in the, on the 11th of December in the House of Commons, I think we're, we're at the drawing, at the stage in where we're looking at the drawing board to see what's the, how can we mitigate against the, the plans that will go forward. Because according to the Commission, there will be no other deal. This is the only deal that's going to be on the table. They are not prepared to change. Theresa May, some of the MPs in in the House of Commons think that they can send Theresa May back to to Brussels to renegotiate. Maybe they can and maybe she can go back, but I think the renegotiations that she would be able to do would be very, very small. And I think we certainly have to try and get this deal over the line in order to protect the Irish beef industry and the cheddar cheese market that we have in the UK and also in order for trade right across all of the country. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. John Coughlin, IFA Munster Regional Chairman. Thank you very much, John. Thanks. And that's our programme for this morning, the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to John Footer and Controls. And as always, a very special thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in. The final speaker on our programme this morning was Mr. John Coughlin, IFA Munster Regional Chairman. Have an enjoyable weekend. Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Quality Feeds. Trusted by generations of farmers. Dairy Gold Quality Feeds. Putting your animal nutrition needs first. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.